Welcome to MI Cynic, the podcast with a license to inform. This is your host, Thomas Brancato. Today, I am welcoming back Rushali Saha, where we will continue our conversation regarding India's strategic vision of the Indo-Pacific and how it correlates to its wider foreign policy objectives. I find this is one of the most important things to dissect here, the strategic relation that India has with the US, because as you've said, we're not talking about a formal alliance, we're talking about um, a mutual interest partnership. So let's crack open what that means exactly, what the strategic relation between India and the US means. One of the things you've mentioned is the different definitions that India and the US have over the Indo-Pacific. To start with, uh, let, let's call it the Indo-Pacific. The US likes the term Indo-Pacific, and it, it has a different definition. It stops a little bit before India's does, but India goes all the way, as you said, to East Africa, the US's doesn't. And I wonder whether that is because of the different histories that these nations have in the region. Of course, for, for India, this is the Indian Ocean, much more than the Indo-Pacific region. It's it's its ocean, it's uh, the lifeblood that surrounds India. And historically, maybe India has associations with that entire region, as you say, stretching from East Africa all the way into um, uh, what would be Southeast Asia. And I wonder if, if that plays into it as well, a different, a different emotional attitude towards the region itself, it, this being India's backyard, its its home, it, and the historical ties it has, it's the religious ties that it might have to its neighbours, etc, etc, and whether the US views this uh, from a cold strategic perspective, a little bit more alienated, a little bit more distant from the region, not as closely tied, and I wonder if this plays into the, the discrepancies between how both countries uh, look at the region. And I wonder if that plays into that trust factor as well, uh, from Indian politicians noticing that where American strategy is concerned, um, you know, they view this from a distant perspective, whereas we, we very much view this as our traditional home of a history that stretches back centuries and centuries, uh, where we have had associations with uh, all over this region, all the way into the Arab world in this case. Interested in your opinion of that, of course, and in seeing whether we've identified what we might call a few of these hiccups in the relationships. If these are to be sorted, if India and the US can can agree on a shared vision towards the, the Indian Ocean, will that lead to a formal alliance in your case? So as far as the historic aspect is concerned, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I do completely agree with your analysis. If we look at how the United States came up, like its history of interaction with the region, right? So uh, India, uh, so United States has played a very, very prominent role, whether it's in the security architecture or in the uh, economic architecture. In, and the regional actors sort of came to play an important role in the narrative much, much later. So initially, uh, interestingly, this is something I have read, um, again, couldn't quite remember the name of the book, but basically it sort of, sort of, uh, his, uh, it sort of, played out historically, it showed us how this concept emerged. And it was largely a capitalistic uh, expression, right? So it was basically to the, the Asia Pacific narrative, which had come in to being was to exploit the economic resources sort of in the region. Of course, it's debated, it's been tested. There are lots of perspectives to this and we'd require probably another podcast if we go into that. But broadly, it is something which I understood and I agreed with. So U.S. initially looked at the region from an economic point of view, and it still continues to look at it, right? 
because Indo-Pacific is the hub of um, trade. It's the hub. It has uh, a, a majority of the world's population, the most important free lines of communication. Um, most of the um, sort of, you know, uh, vessels which pass through it carry, carry the brunt of the world trade. So, of course, it looks at it from the um, economic point of view. The security dimension came to play a very prominent role much later with the Chinese um, coming to play a, a very prominent role because during the Cold War, Russia or Soviet Union rather, despite the geographical proximity, uh, it was not able to sort of have uh, that much of hold over the region as the United States did, right? So, so yeah, these historic dynam dynamics definitely come into play when it comes to defining the region. As far as this, the definition of Indo-Pacific is specifically concerned, I think we should go back to uh, Barack Obama's um, pivot to Asia, right? So it is in that backdrop that Indo-Pacific as a strategic concept, of course, started gaining um, leverage in the diplomatic community, in the dip diplomatic vocabulary. Of course, Indo-Pacific as an idea has much, uh, has roots much, much before that, right? So. Going into that dynamics again, uh, why did the pivot to Asia take place, right? There was a China factor, but the most important reason was to sort of reclaim uh, United States role in the region, right? So it was specifically looking at that region to play a prominent role. So which is why Africa did not sort of, you know, uh, come into consideration when it was thinking from that strategic lens. That's how I view it. But India's uh, heritage is different. India's definition of the region is different. India's historic interaction with this region dates back to the Chola dynasty, right? Uh, we have K.M. Panikkar, who was one of the first earliest vocal exponents of, um, uh, of the conjugation of Indian and Pacific uh, oceans and how India should embrace its maritime identity, right? So it has a very different history from the United States and was viewing it through its cultural linkages, through its civilizational linkages, which is why these definitions are different. I do agree with your assessment there. Uh, as for if they can come to a common definition or consensus, will they become formal allies? No. Because I think that the whole, the, India is very uncomfortable with alliances, right? Or with the very term ally. And uh, because and this is interesting specifically because our external affairs minister has gone out of his way to clarify that India does not have allies. We have partnerships. And I'd refer you to his recent book, which uh, came out, uh, titled "The India Way," where he sort of sort of reinvents uh, the concept of non-alignment and he explains what strategic autonomy is. And I think this concept is here to stay because it is the fundamental principle of India's foreign policy. Will India and US's interests converge in the future? Yes. Will they cooperate more? Yes. Will that take place in the in the format of an alliance? No. I think the, I think the strategic partnership uh, framework which has emerged is something which is which both countries are comfortable with. So the United States has come to understand India's historic specificities, um, and uh, and it understands which are, which I think is a rather belated development and it's more recent. But I do get this sense that uh, Washington now comes to understand that India has its own reasons for not entering a formal alliance. And I think this is something which works to India's advantage as well, because the geopolitics of the region is so rapidly fluctuating that uh, this uh, format, which again brings me to quote, 
Because Quad is a consultative forum, and this is something India has constantly repeated. It is just one of the many, many uh, sort of, you know, organizations or groupings or dialogue mechanisms which are there. It's just one of them, right? So it's a grouping that way. So India's foreign policy in this sense is multifaceted, it's multidirectional. We will not rely on any one country. We will do what is best for our national interest, right? So I don't see an uh, alliance relationship, honestly, in the making anytime soon. Now, we've talked about the influence of American uh, in, in US-India relationships on Russian relations. Uh, but what about China? How does the U, how does India's definition of this non-alliance partnership, a close partnership with the U.S., strategic partnership with the U.S., specifically in maritime activities, specifically in the Indo-Pacific, uh, but also perhaps with its space and other military programs, how do these relationships and the Quad relationship as well, how does that influence India's relationship with China? Right. So uh, this is a fairly complex question. Uh, let me try to sort of address this through the lens of Robert Jervis's concept of strategic triangle, right? So if you look at America, India, and China as a strategic triangle, um, American and Indian perceptions, right, and policy towards China shaped the U.S.-India relationship during the Cold War. Okay, and I refer to refer to Tanvi Madan's book on this, where I think she's beautifully brought out the historical uh you, you know uh, evolution right with like you know archival documents which is a very very interesting read and she really sort of highlights uh the strategic the dimensions of the strategic triangle during the cold war and but in more uh, contemporary times right specifically if i look at the current gov current indian government's redefinition of strategic autonomy and how it plays out in context of this strategic triangle so to say um what I do see is that previously we were having this uh, sort of a soft balancing approach between China and India vis-a-vis -vis the United States, right? However, the border conflict and the Galwan crisis has completely radically changed India-China relations. And now we are seeing more robust, uh, of course, albeit limited, hard balancing by India and United States vis-a-vis uh, -vis China. There were many voices in the Indian strategic community also, which sort of attributed uh, the Galvan crisis as China's signaling to India that it's uncomfortable with um, um, India's closeness to United States. And that is something do, I, do, I do agree with, at least partially, it does not capture the entire picture, because there are many, there are many, many aspects to it. But partially, yes, I do believe it was a strategic signal, so to say. And I think this encapsulates very appropriately how this India factor is coming to sort of, you know, dominate uh, both re relations across the triangle, right? Having said that, uh, I think it's also, this triangle is also a tool for India to redefine its strategic autonomy. And I do understand I've been saying strategic autonomy for a very long time, but I really want you and our listeners to grasp this concept as the very core of India's foreign policy, right? So um, I see India sort of, you know, where it is strengthening its partnerships, right, uh, to attain its national interest, right? So if right, right now there's, we feel that China is threatening our interest because the Chinese aggressiveness, right, uh, on our borders, which left 20 Indian soldiers dead, is something which has made us realize that our borders are not secure. And of course, we know in that in the, uh, in the anarchy of international relations, sovereignty, 
comes before anything else, right? So this I do see sort of partially motivating in uh, China, uh, motivating India and United States relationship where they're coming closer together. Because in this sense, China is the common threat, right? So that is one way how the dynamics of the triangle have changed, right? So, but having said that again, you see that when India is engaging with this quad, right? What it is doing is that it is enhancing its strategic autonomy vis-a-vis uh, -vis China. But again, when it is sitting together with Russia and China uh, for a trilateral meeting, it is enhancing its strategic autonomy vis-a-vis -vis Washington, right? Um, there are many areas, like if you look at, you know, sort of like, you know, the civilizational ties between China and India are quite strong. In the past, we have, uh, both countries have sort of, you know, they came together where they challenged the fundamentals of the global economic order. And I still believe that there are many areas where India and China can work together. But that, I think, is uh, sort of, it more, it's more, it's dependent on how this border crisis resolves it, itself. It's been over a year now. Uh, both countries are still uh, locked in the standoff. We don't know how uh, the negotiations will pan out. But by and large, okay, in India, this is a new a development which I have particularly noticed. And many of the pro-China voices, to, to say, of course, uh, I'm, I'm, I know it's a sort of a generalization, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say, is that they have come out now and they are saying that, no, we cannot trust China right? So the trust factor has really gone down when it comes to relations with China. How will this resolve itself, of course, is something which we need to wait and see. But will it continue affecting our dynamics with the United States? Definitely, definitely. Uh, and India, I think, acknowledges that, you know, these are all variables, which is why we have our own independent nuanced vision of the Indo-Pacific, which is not dependent on any country, right? So I think that, again, is also sort of linking it with, if I link it with your broader question, right? So I think um, this India-US-China dynamics will play out in Indo-Pacific as well. And India is well-situated to play those dynamics to its best interest. I don't disagree with you. I think India is in a unique position. And I think one of India's strengths, precisely, is the fact that it so, so much embraces the non-alignment and that it wants to continue having uh, unilateral relationships with all three of the great powers uh, in the region and the Quad as well. Uh, India refuses, uh, does not want to use the term uh, alliances and still views itself very much in the context of um, non-alignment, which is a Cold War term terminology, but India resurrects this uh, into modern practice. And I think uh, I agree with you. I think this has worked out well in India's favour, uh, because one can clearly see a trajectory of strategic autonomy. But my issue is this, because which country doesn't want strategic autonomy? I wonder how much of this desire is hidden in the context of non-alignment uh, is actually India wanting preferential treatment uh, without willing to make the sacrifices. Does India understand that partnership with one great power, whether or not it's a formal alliance, will still heavily influence its relationship with the other? Because I wonder whether in Beijing's eyes, India is not allied to the US and everything but name. And I wonder if India is ready to, to accept the fact that it, it will have to take a decision. It, perhaps it has already taken a decision, whether it wants to or not. And whether the only one believing that India doesn't have alliances, it only has friends, is the Indian themselves. And whether everyone else in the region uh, already views India as deeply in Washington's pockets. 
And, um, and so I wonder what your take is on that. Right. So, uh, of course, uh, I think this is, if I understood your question correctly, this is one of the most uh, common criticisms, so to say, from the Western voices. And I think it's, of course, very appropriate for the United States to ask this question, that when we are providing you with all the benefits of, uh, of an alliance, why wouldn't you call it an alliance, right? But um, having said that, I think um, you have to take into account India's own unique historic experiences, and I think South Asian experience at large, right? So we, as a region, right, we, do not, we have never wanted to get embroiled in the great power uh, competition or rivalry, so to say. Of course, Pakistan aside, which during the Cold War had clearly, had clearly chosen the United States side, right? So um, I think the historic uh, development in this region has been very different from the global north, so to say which is why it's difficult to understand the intricacies and the nuances of a non-aligned strategy, so to say. Uh, I don't think this non-alliance is very particular to India, right? So even if you look at the Southeast Asian countries, these are the countries which have come out and said that we do not want to choose a side in a US-China competition. And I think that these Southeast Asian countries will probably be the worst affected in a US-China competition because Economically, they are heavily dependent on China. Militarily, they still depend on the United States. So it's a very complex relationship, right? So for these countries also, they have made it very clear that we will choose the side which is giving us the most benefit, right? So um, I think it's exemplified in Singapore's position also very, very clearly. Um, it's different from the Indian position, of course, because economically, they are much more... Uh, they're stronger, they have, they know that, you know, sort of they'll be like, India is struggling. And of course, economics plays a very important role in how foreign policies of nations play out, right? But um, I don't see it as an aberration as much as it's understood maybe in the global North countries, because this is a phenomenon for these countries. They want to make their mark. They want to see multipolarity, right? For India, its vision is of multipolarity. And its strategic autonomic posture sort of flows from that vision of multipolarity, right? So I don't see it. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not confident if your question was asking me to justify India's strategic autonomy posture or not. But I'll still go uh, on a limb here and just sort of, you know, elaborate that in this world, right, we've seen the devastation that bipolarity had caused during the Cold War, right? And how uh, the long peace was disrupted very abruptly with, of course, uh, the fall of uh, Soviet Union. So multipolarity is the way to go forward, in my belief. And I do see India's strategic autonomic posture being the one being one which places it in a position where it'll best be able to make use of that situation. Having said that, it will of course face its own, own challenges, which was most evident during the war with China, right? So it was a huge strain on our military, it was a huge strain on, on our economy. If we would have had partners come to our help at that point, I think, uh, or an ally, so to say, that would have really helped India and would have really sent a signal to the global community, the world at large, that China cannot go ahead, cannot get away with its um, aggressive behavior, right? So it has its challenges, of course. But having said that, I still believe that it's the best way forward for India. I think you're right in as far as uh, your assessment that India stands to gain from multipolarity.
And I think this has a lot to do with the fact that it refrains from throwing in its lot with any one great power. And this is, of course, uh, unique to India's position as a non-aligned power and something that it has cautiously held on to and done a good job at it for many years now. Having said that, India has had a rocky relationship with its northern neighbour of China since the Indian independence in 1947. This includes a short war in 1967 and uh, escalations or what you might call border disputes in 2017 and most recently this year. And perhaps as a result of this, uh, but not only because of this, India has chosen a cautious distance from China. But I wonder if Indian foreign policy, strategic policy had been a bit different and uh, if it had chosen a closer relationship with China by shunning the United States. What would that have looked like? What, what would have been the advantages in this case of uh, Sino-Indian cooperation? And what are the disadvantages of having a path closer to today, or perhaps even more so by having a stronger relationship with the Quad and, and the United States and the United Kingdom? Um, what does it stand to gain from closer Chinese cooperation? What does it stand to lose? Right. So firstly, at the very outset, I have to say that there are no disadvantages to closer cooperation, right? That is the aim of diplomacy. That is what nations strive for to sort of find ways where they can, you know, sort of cooperate and um, divert resources to more domestic concerns and domestic development. So there, at the very outset, let me uh, be very clear that there are no disadvantages per se to um, you know, U.S. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm sorry, we've been talking about the United States for so long. Uh, it's in my head, but yeah. So there are no disadvantages to Sino-India cooperation. And as for India's posture towards uh, uh, China, it's actually quite interesting because if we go back in history and if we look at Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, who was India's first prime minister and the architect of India's foreign policy, his posture towards China was uh, was Hindi uh, Chini Bhai Bhai. Okay, so that's what we say, which translates to India and China are brothers, right? So Nehru was one of the closest, like strongest advocates of, uh, advocates of uh, closer in India-China relations. So much so that uh, when our Home Minister, Sardar Vallabhai Patel, had warned Nehru that uh, of China's intentions about the war, about the 1962 war, Nehru completely disregarded that. And he believed that our civilizational ties are so close that together we will frame what later came to be described as the Asian century. So together we will we will frame that, um, but we know how that ended, right? So um, most of most most uh, historians have even accepted that it was rather naive of Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru not to recognize this, and this is something which he has sort of even acknowledged uh, in his own uh, memoirs and in his writings, where he did not quite assess the Chinese threat, right? So if you look at history we had the foundations in place of having a robust relationship with um, China. Of course, China had its own reasons for the invasion, where China, in China was uncomfortable with India's closeness with the Dalai Lama, on the Tibet issue, on the border issues. So these were all problems. But again, having said that, these were also sort of addressed when uh, China was focused on its peaceful rights, right? So that period does correspond to um, India's own... Uh, uh, robust relations with uh, China, most recently, even before the Doklam crisis, 
before or after i think after the doklam crisis where uh, president ji and modi uh, president and prime minister modi they met their handshake became viral and it was compared to the nixon mao a handshake and everything so there was hope that these are two countries which can work together and that is something which i don't think is completely discarded as well yes right now it's been overshadowed by the larger tensions in the region right but as i see it okay from an indian perspective and i am adding that it's an indian perspective here i uh, because there are there is a chinese side to it there is a i wouldn't say it's not objective but yes it's definitely slightly biased in the sense that what we see is china behaving aggressively okay and we have good reason to support that we see china's unprovoked aggression right as something which which if not dealt with we cannot deal with the other aspects of our relationship so uh in fact when the chinese foreign minister called on india sort of you know work it's uh work on other aspects of its relationship on the economic aspect denouncing uh the sort of the banning of chinese apps etc india was very clear that until and unless we we cannot sort of decouple the border issue from the other economic uh, aspects or other aspects of our relationship we need to address the border issue which is a very fair demand 20 indian soldiers lost their lives right so this is an issue which has to be addressed by the two countries right so uh of course you have to go deep into history to understand which side is correct or which side is not but a diplomatic resolution is the need need for the r right so these two countries can work together in the future if this issue is resolved will this issue be resolved is a question which of course remains unanswered uh, but um has it closed to the 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 doors to future cooperation i would say not yet but of course if china continues its unprovoked aggression and even in the indian ocean right so the string of pearls which is uh, being sort of uh, popularized is this the term string of pearls is something which is threatening again india's core interests right and all this is happening in regions which to use your term is considered to be india's own backyard so these are developments which india is definitely uncomfortable with right even bri i think uh, it's uh, it's pertinent to mention about cpec here right because india's stance is very clear that this uh, construction is taking place on indian territory so uh, of course it's uh, contested there it's very nuanced but still it's disputed right so chinese construction is sort of you know it's threatening india's sovereignty at this point so the constructions uh, reports of construction which are taking place in arunachal pradesh these are all things which are really hitting on india's core interests right and here i'm using the chinese term where they are so protective of their core interests so chinese activities are threatening india's core interests right now so that is how sort of you know the dynamics of india china relationship is playing out so in the past there has been cooperation in the future there will probably be cooperation right but the border issue at hand needs to be resolved thank you rishali India's path of strategic partnerships as opposed to strong allegiances was a policy that was born in a cold war context and it's a path that India has held on to ever since through good times and bad times it is at the core of India's foreign policy as we see the Indo-Pacific heating up India will seek to double down on this path and time will tell if it will continue to strengthen the people of India But for now, thank you, Ms. Rusali Saha, for sharing your expert knowledge with us, and I hope I can count on you for further discussion on India's strategic future. 
Absolutely, absolutely. No expert, obviously. I'm still learning, still reading up on this, but this was really interesting and it was it was it was great having a chat with you. And I do look forward to future discussions. Thank you. And that concludes the final part of my interview with Rushali Sah, covering India's relationships with the United States and China, and how these relate to its strategic objectives over the Indian Ocean. And I hope you'll stay with us for the next episodes that we've got planned. Please remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and more. And of course, to check out our website for the latest episodes. Thank you so much and have a great day.